flow. Before rap, you don't really got dope. Before rap, you don't really see snow. In the kitchen, about to make some magic. Then blow it all in magic. Pull up in my partner in traffic. Gave it to him, it was all in plastic. All I know, I ain't trying to go to jail. Heard that shit, close stain to hell. When it stepped on, make it hard to sell. When you been where I been, make it hard to fail. Cause I'm the real Yes, people, it is Thursday, so it is time for Echo Chamber. And cinemas are back open, people. So we are looking at the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 21st to the 23rd of May. At number 10. Right is the uh, new film from Francis Lee, and that is Ammon Ammonite. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> At number nine is Tim Story's Tom and Jerry the Movie. So um, at number eight, people, we've got Araya the Last Dragon. This is from Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada. So at number seven, we've got the new Taylor Sheridan joint, and that is Those Who Wish Me Dead. At number six, people, it's that fly, well, high flying, kicking and punching. Finish him! Small motherfucking combat, people. So this is from Simon McQuid. So we are in the top five. And at number five is The Unholy. So this is the new film from Evan Spilatopoulos. At number four. It's, um, yeah. Time for those scares, people. It's Darren Lina Boozman's Spiral from the Book of Saw. So, at number three, 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 Godzilla v Kong. Alright, that's the new Adam Wingard piece. At number two, ah, oh, this was a great film, Chloe Zayo's Nomad Land. And the top film in the UK right now, unfortunately, is Peter Rabbit 2. Will Glock Grrr. Hi, people. This week's Echo Chamber is a two-parter. And we start off with three films. Three films, people. And, um, yeah, we're looking at what? Action. We're looking at Thriller and gosh, I forgot, you know, hey, there's a mix. <laughs> and then the other piece, right, we've got a little interview and a review, all right? So, um, hey, let's get into it, all right? Horror fans. Now, I think a lot of you will probably know 
But this weekend, starting Saturday the 29th of May, running to Monday the 31st, is the 35th Award Grimfest. Yes, the May Madness is soon going to descend on you. And as part of that, to your last death, the unique 2D hand-drawn animated horror feature, winner of a remarkable 35 awards, including Best Feature from Pasadena International Film Fest, Best What The Fuck Movie from Film Fret, Best Director from Horrorbound and Best Horror Feature from Phoenix International Film Festival returns to the UK for an exclusive in-competition virtual screening at Groomfest 2021. The film screens all weekend at Groomfest's May Madness online event, May the 29th to the 31st, to your last death, World premiered at London's Arrow Video Fright Fest. So, yes, definitely got a history over on the shores. Right, so, um, yeah, this low-budget animated movie uh, is a 9 out of 10 on film fret, which, not bad, right? Not bad at all. Right, it's um it combines a widely imaginative script with eye-popping animation. It is anchored by a first-class voice cast of Morina Basarin, um Ray Wise, we have Danny Lennon, Bill Mosley, and William Shatner. The Grimfest screening also features a 40-minute panel discussion with To Your Last Death director Jason Axin, writer-executive producers Tanya Klein and Jim Cyril, and lead actress Danny Lennon. And it will be moderated by Grimfest Rachel Hayes and Claire Harrison. So, people, you do not want to miss this year's Grimfest because, hey, you get to watch this wacky, crazy, animated um, death hunt to your last death. Boom, 29th to the 31st of May, people. Mark it down. Okay, horror fans, mark Thursday the 12th of August in your calendars. That is right, because Shudder, AMC Network's premium streamer for horror, thriller, and the supernatural, have announced that the new event series Slasher, Flesh and Blood, starring horror legend David Cronenberg... Bum, 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 will exclusively stream on the service in the US, Australia and New Zealand beginning Thursday, August the 12th, with two episodes followed by new episodes streaming each 
week. The series follows a wealthy, dysfunctional family that gathers for a reunion on a secluded island, only to learn they'll be pitted against one another in a cruel game of life and death. Ooh. All while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. Nothing is what it seems, and no one is safe as detention and body count ratchets up. The eight-episode event series stars Cronenberg alongside cast members from previous installments of the slasher franchise in brand new roles, including Paula Brancati, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Gredjevich, and Christopher Jackot. Right, so um, yeah. Adding to the cast will also be Rachel Crawford, Jenna Guzan, Sydney Meyer, and Alex Ogerola. So, um, there you have it, people. There you have it. You know, slasher, flesh and blood is like knives out. Done by John Carpenter and takes the slasher franchise to a new level with a gripping and scary story about family secrets, intrigue, murder and legacy. Um, We're incredibly lucky to have David Cronenberg, an icon of the genre, giving a standout performance as the fearsome, intimidating patriarch of the Galloway family, who sets the tone for the shocking twists, crazy mysteries, and total mayhem that's to come. Shudder members won't want to miss a single episode of this incredible event series, and that is from Shudder General Manager Craig Engler, I mean... Yeah, he won't steer you wrong. No, but seriously, everything on Shudder is great. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything I haven't enjoyed yet. So, yeah, I think this will be worth watching. So, people, the 12th of August, mark it down. Oh, people, some more festival information for you. The Etheria Film Night have announced that they will be streaming, right, their 2021 official short films showcase lineup exclusively on Shudder, starting from Friday the 25th of June, all the way through to the 25th of July. This year's festival, the world's most respected annual showcase of horror, science fiction, fantasy, action and thriller films directed by women will feature nine short films and honour the Walking Dead showrunner and executive producer Angela Kang with the 2021 Etheria Inspiration Award given annually to a person in the entertainment industry who has inspired women to pursue careers working in genre film and television. 
producer Gail and Hard will present the award to Kang with the ceremony included as part of the official Etheria 2021 content streaming on Shudder. The 2021 lineup has come has some of the funniest things we've ever programmed alongside some of the darkest and most disturbing things we've ever programmed. And that is from Etheria Director of Programming, Heidi Honeycott. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, yeah, she also says, And we're so happy to be screening on Shudder for the second year in a row. Dum-dum-dum. Right, so, um, yeah, people. I mean, do you really want to miss all of this? You know, Gail and Heard says the Ethereum Film Festival is the preeminent forum showcasing the many talented women working in the genre field. As The Walking Dead's first female showrunner, Angela Kang has proven herself to be a visionary in the horror sci-fi medium, and she is also one of the most talented people working in television today. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Kang says, as a lifelong fan of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action and thrillers, I am truly humbled to be in the company of the incredible women of Etheria, um, and who have been honoured over the years with their inspiration award, not least the incomparable Gail and Hurd. I am on a trail she blazed and loved that Etheria is showcasing new genre films created by women who want to travel the same exhilarating path. So, um, yeah, there you have it, people. It is, uh, is going to be coming at you, which uh, should be fun. Right, some of those films that will be screening, okay... Uh, we've got The Fourth Wall. This is directed by Kelsey Bowling. Um, we've got Narrow, directed by Anna Chazelle. Have You Will Never Be Back from Monica Matteo. Booster Strapped from Katy Aaron. Uh, Misfits from Kayani Ray Walker. The Grey from Myra Aquino. Paula Votron 500 from Sylvia Concia. Eye Exam from Aslim Clark. And Who Goes There from Astrid Forvladson. <laughs> you know, so, um, hey, looks like it is going to be a fun uh, festival people So go check out the Ethereal website And remember it will start Friday the 25th Of June running All the way to the 25th Of July Exclusively on Shudder Okay people so now we have all of that out the way Let's get into this week's films Gonna be a fun one people So uh, time to buckle up and let's go mm. 
So I was intrigued by a new gangster flick on Netflix. It was called Ferry. I think that might be it, because Ferry is a very... I don't know, it's not a gangstery sounding name, right? I just think of, you know, a boat, right? Um, but, you know, maybe it is a, a common Dutch name or a Flemish name. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it just didn't really sound gangster. So, I don't know. There was something that caught my eye about it, so I checked it out. Right now, I think what I didn't know going in was the fact that it's a prequel to. Um, I thought it was a film, but it's actually a TV series. So it's a it's a show called Undercover, which is um, I think that's on Netflix. Um, I think there's two seasons so far. I don't know if it's getting renewed for a third. Um, but it sounds a little Ozarkish. You know what I mean? I might be wrong. I'm kind of intrigued to check it out. But supposedly it's based on true events. But I think that definitely kind of changes the film. Alright, so, um, yes, this film, right, it is directed by Cecilia Verhaden. It's written by Nico Moulinar and Bart Utenhuhen. It is, um, yes, starring Frank Lamars as Ferry. Elise Sharp as um Danny Van Oh god what's her name Danny Van Lawson I think uh Marken Danny Van Danny Van Marken uh you got Hube Staple as Brink uh Raymond Theory as John Foot there's uh, Monique Hendricks as Claude Vart, Claudia Vart, um, Borman, right, which is, uh, I think that's Ferry's sister, right, so um, then, he, and John is, you know, his brother-in-law, obviously, uh, we have Bram, Blankenstein as Davy. There's uh, Martin Hajans as Rico. Tim Lind as Matthias. Urgen Schmischk as Ali. Hub Schmidt as Dennis Devers. Juliet Van Arden as Kizji. Boam and Yannick van der Veld as Lars van Marken, Danny's brother. So, yeah, that's the cast. And the gist of the film is this a ruthless ferry boarman is sent to his native region of Brabant 
by his boss Brink to avenge an attack on their gang when he meets the lovely Danielle, an old family feuds resurface. Brant starts to piece his steel armor. To pi- Brant Brabant starts to pierce his steel armor even. So um yes, that is that's the gist of it, right? So to set the tone, the film starts off with Ferry and Claudia as kids. Right? Their parents are whew, arguing up a storm. I mean when I say the parents, their dad is being a dick, right? He is screaming, screaming for Ferry. He's Ferry's hiding. His mum's trying to calm the dad down. And it gets kind of violent, right? Dad starts throwing the mum around. Then he starts punching her. Ferry's got a gun, right? So it's obviously he's stolen his dad's gun. Now, we don't know why. Right? Because it sounds like there'd been some other shit. Right? Because it was kind of he said something to Claudia saying like, um, oh, I've got it, so he can't use it. So I don't know if the dad always threatens to shoot someone or maybe hits them with the gun, pistol whips them. I don't know. But that's how it starts. Very turns the gun on his dad to stop him from beating his mum. And, yeah, he, he, you know, dad is like, well, shoot me. He doesn't, obviously. Dad still takes the gun back and is like, never pull a gun unless you're going to use it. And then shoots into the ground. So, yeah, great childhood, obviously. Um, we then kind of jump to the modern time. And we get a montage. Nice little musical montage where, um, you know, now Ferry's grown up and, he, you know, he's got a new father figure into his life, Brink, right? He works for Brink, Brink is a gangster and, yeah, Brink is the father figure he didn't have. You know, that, that's, the, that's what we're getting told and everything is great, everything is great. You know, he feels wanted, welcome, this is his purpose. So that is our start of the film. And, yeah, like, so the kind of gist of it really gets popping pretty early, right? So then we have, um, you know, so we're introduced to Matthias, Brink's son, who um, very says that he, he loves too. You know, like a brother. And um, everything is great. So then we have, um, you know, the montage goes. And you get a sense that there's a little tension between Mateus and the dad. You know what I mean? Like, he, I think Mateus wants more responsibility in the business. But the dad won't give it to him. I think he's looking like Ferry's got more responsibility than me. But they're, you know, doing some sort of money drop or counting money, something, some sort of business in their office when gangsters, well, I mean, they're gangsters, but uh, some balaclavered peoples burst in, 
we wielding guns, threatening, you know, threatening to kill people unless they get the money. So everything is a bit like, oh, you know, hands are up. But Brink is, he's kind of, you know, maneuvering to possibly get a gun that's hidden underneath the table. His son is a bit like, don't, you know, because they're going to kill us. And his son moves, gunman shoots him. Our Balakarvid peoples run out. And yeah, that's the start of our film. Right? So uh, yeah, Mateus is shot. The dad Brink is pissed. And he sends Ferry to find out who did it and get revenge. Boom, boom, boom. Right? So it's, you know, pretty. High octane star, right? You're kind of like, oh, okay, where are we going? Where are we going, man? And as the story unfolds, right, there, there is this possibility that you're kind of like, hmm, I wonder, but you are thrown a little bit due to. A thing that goes down, right? So you're kind of like, oh, I don't know, yeah. Uh, there's possibilities, right? Um, but yeah, Ferry is on the look, right? So he's hunting for, and I think he he in him going to get this information. Like some of the things that go down, like. You know, there's a point where you think he might kill this woman. And you're just like, there are plenty of other ways out of this situation. Like, it seemed a bit much, right? That seemed a bit of a stretch to be like, oh, she might have to die. But it's just like, there's other, you know, you could say you went in the wrong place. You know, I don't know, there's different excuses that you could have to, for being there, right? But, yeah, it was a bit like, whoa, that's odd. But we, so we have that, and there are these other things going down in the film. Like, there's a lot of stuff that just seems a little bit easy. Seems a little bit easy in... How, you know, these things unfold Which, I mean, it's not the worst But you do, uh, you do be a bit like, uh, I don't know Then you've got, you know, the, the first big incident Right, in the task And, like, there's a thing that happens And you're like, wait, what? Really? We're gonna have, like, that? Happen I mean You seem to vibe a left field And you're just a bit like Arr. And also When you've kind of like People aren't professional You do wonder Right you feel like I don't know if I buy these people Not giving info Right So we, we have all of this kind of stuff unfold But then There is this Love situation 
which I have to say, it did seem a little forced. The love situation seemed a little forced because it just suddenly was there, right? Like you, you. I think the big thing was I'm watching it and I'm thinking, but why? Right? Why would she? You know, that's the big question. Why would she? Now, helping someone out doesn't necessarily equate to baggies getting dropped. You feel me? You know, it's a bit like, oh, that feels a little stretchy, stretchy right there. But, um, okay, if that's the way you're going, man. Alright? You know what I mean? If that's the way you're going, man. Yeah, it was a bit... Yeah, I don't know, man. It it just felt off, and it felt like she's doing all the pushing, right? She's doing all the pushing. So the film is unfolding, and it's seeming a bit like. Mm. Now I will say it does pull it back at the end. Well. I mean, there's stuff towards the end that's a bit like, wait, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Although, I guess that scene was set up at the beginning, right? There, there's a conversation which kind of then um, leads to that scene. But it was a bit like, oh, come on, man. Come on, man. We're going we're gonna to do this? What are the chances, right? What are the chances? But okay, fine, fine, we'll do that. So that's there. But then after that, yes, I will say it. It does pick up, does pick up, and it is kind of like yeah, that that was kind of fun, right? The very ending was kind of fun. Um, now you can definitely see the. They've done a few things, right? So there's some nods up at the very end to the thing it leads into, the the, the TV show it leads into. That's what it seemed like anyway, which is fine. You know, that's all fine. It's, yeah. It's not terrible. Very isn't terrible. And I think if you're a fan of the TV series, then I think you're probably going to vibe with it a lot more. As a standalone vehicle, right, if you haven't seen anything else and you just watched that, it's fine, but there's really not much attachment, Right, the, you know, the characters aren't built up at all or anything like that. It, it's one of, you know, when you have the uh, uh, the female character in a film or a TV show, it's be like, I know you're a good person, I see it in you. And you're just like, all right, as far as we know, that's the second time they've hung out. So I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's some crazy ass bullshit right there. And, and and that's what it seemed like, right? That we're not getting any character development because everyone knows these characters from the TV show, right? So they've just jumped up in there. But yeah, it it it, it 
it leaves it a little thin for people that don't know the material. Which, you know, the these are things are fine if you're just making it essentially for the TV show fan group. Right? And there's a lot of things that do that. You know, there's a lot of kind of spin-off films that are just like, well, that only works for people that watch the series. You know? Or people that watch that other film. This works for no one else. But, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah. I don't know. It's a little... You are a little intrigued to where is this going. You know, I will say that. And then I think when you find out, oh, the TV series is based on real events, that makes it a little more enticing. You know what I mean? So, I, I yeah, I possibly will check out... Um, the TV series, if it's in English, that is, uh, but yeah, the film, the film is okay, it's okay, but not a huge, like, I'm not gonna be thinking about it after, you know, like, there's other things that you watch, and, you know, late into the night, the next day, week, whatever, you're still kind of like, ooh, yeah, that was good, Ah, I think that person will like it, you know, but this isn't one of those, you know what I mean, it's not one of those, but it wasn't the worst thing I've ever watched, right, it's okay, it's adequate, you know, it served a purpose, but it, it, yeah, it could have been a bit more, felt it could have been more, which is a shame, but hey-ho, that's the way the, um, yeah, that's the way the weed crumbles. <laughs> you know, sometimes, depending what hype you got, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, you know, very. If you're a fan of Undercover, you will probably definitely want to check it out. Otherwise, you know, if you like the actors and actresses, you might want to give it a go, okay? So it's on Netflix. So, um, yeah, there you are, Ferry. Well, it is finally here. That's right, people. Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead has hit Netflix. So, now, interesting enough, this shit I did not know. But this film has been in the works since 2007. Yeah. But supposedly it just hit developmental issues at Warner Brothers. And Netflix picked it up in um, 2019. You know what I mean? So then they went to work and the film got made. Right? Um, So Snyder directed it. And it's based on a story of his. And it was written by Snyder, Shay Hatton and Joby Harold. It's produced by Deborah Schneider, Wesley Kohler, and um, eh, Zach himself. Alright, so the music is from Tom Holkenborg. Schneider is the cinematographer too. Doody Dawn is the editor. And it has got a fat cast. 
Woo. So we have Dave Batista playing Scott Ward, a mercenary and, um, you know, founder of a mercenary group. Ella Purnell is Kate Ward, Scott's estranged daughter, because obviously a film like this, you need that dynamic, right? It's a, it's a given that you're going to get this. Um, she works for who? So a complete contrast to what, you know, her dad does. We've got um, Ward's mercenary crew. Amari Hardwick plays Vanderhoro. Uh, Anna Della Roga plays Maria Cruz. Uh, we got Matthias Skalhofer plays Ludwig Dieter, a German safe cracker. Um, there is also um, Ruel Costillo, who plays Mikey Guzman, a sharpshooter. Um, Samantha Wynn is Chambers. She's friends with Guzman. And then, so we've got, uh, oh, Theo Rossi plays Burke Cummings. He's a security guard at the, the camp where Kate works. Also at that camp is Lily, right? Played by Nora Arnezender. She's a French woman known as the Coyote. And, you know, Coyote for other particular reasons, right? We've got Hiraku Sanada, who plays a Bly Tanaka, a billionaire that orchestrates the heist, right, he's pulling the strings, and um, his right-hand man is Martin, played by Garrett Dillahunt, and um, they also have Marina Peters, played by Tig Notaro, so she is their pilot, right, um, now Kate's got a friend in the camp called Gita, played by Huma Qureshi. You've also then got our zombies, right? So the chief zombie is Zeus, the alpha zombie king, played by Richard Ceterone. His queen is played by Athena Pemerpol. Um, Yeah, I think that's kind of it. They're our main... Players in this whole craziness, right? And um, the plot is a simple plot, right? So, following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. And I think that, as a plot, that's pretty golden, right? That's not a bad plot. In fact, you could have called the film 
Zombies 11. <laughs> because, you know, there's 11 mercenaries who go in to get the, uh, to get the do. So, yeah, Zombies 11 could have been the name of this film. And I would not have been mad. I would not have been mad at that at all. Right, so there's definitely problems going into this, right? Because Nagero, you know, her role was originally played by um, uh, Chris D'Elia. And you can see how D'Elia could have been in that role. You know what I mean? You definitely could have seen him in that role. But, yeah, that all of that got reshot on green screen. And I have to say, it does look pretty damn seamless right i am very very impressed with the technology which incorporated that now maybe others can see the difference you know what i mean but with my site everything is golden you know what i mean vhs and dvd look the same so there you go um i think you know so all that money was spent there was a lot of hype Right, so the film has to live up to that, right? It's, it's got so much that is on its shoulders coming out. And the other thing about the film, it's got a big-ass running time, right? It's 148 minutes. Ah, that's right, it's nearly two and a half hours, which, whoo! That's some hefty ass shit right there, you know what I mean? But um yeah, that's what happens. Now, we we start off with the how. Right? That's the beginning of our film. It's the how. How did we get to this situation? So we see an army start to pack up some vans, some big they create this big convoy, people talking on walkie-talkies. And everything sets out. So we see them. We then cut to a couple just got married in Vegas. Right? All happy, getting their car to drive. And we're cutting between the army and this couple. So it's just like, I I understand. Something's gonna go down here, right? Now, with the couple, yeah, it's an easy thing, right? Wife offers to give hubby a little hand action in the car. You know what I mean? Because, hey, that's what you do, right? <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong if you don't get cool. You feel me? So, they're doing their thing. So, there's a little distraction there. Then you've got the, 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 the drivers of the uh, one of the trucks. They're in a conversation. Right, and there are you know those stupid questions you ask each other, you know. So, now, hey, so what would you do if you know it's one of them ones, right? So, they're distracted, and all hell goes right because they don't realize at the last moment the army people see the car, they try and divert crap, it's a big crash. One of the soldiers, you know, he's like, oh, we've had an accident. And the headquarters is like, okay, you need to get out of there. Get out of there. Don't engage. But the crash has knocked the door open. 
because the army obviously use really shoddy vans. <laughs> you mean vans that are meant to stop bullets and all of that, a little bumpy bump, and a door's gonna spring wide open. You know what I mean? Hey, <laughs> it's a plot, right? So, doors open, and then all of a sudden, old King Zombie comes out, comes out. Destroys the army peoples, but you know, they get turned into zombies, right? They get bitten, and it's right by Vegas. So we see them go down into Vegas, and uh, you know, we then get a montage, right? We get a montage over some, I don't know, barroom karaoke Elvis impersonator, and look. Montages can be a bit like, but this, it serves a purpose, right? Because we then get laid out to us everything that must have taken place in Vegas. You know what I mean? People getting bitten, the different zombie scenarios. We get some uh, showgirls who are now zombies. At first, you're thinking, oh, these, these girls are really eager to give a lap dance. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> but we see all of this. Then we cut to Ward, right, and his crew battling to um, get rid of, get people out, right, save people, some people die, right, but Ward um, and Cruz, right, and Vanderhall, they managed to escape, so we have all of this, then we cut, right, we cut, we're in the future now, so Ward is a cook in a burger spot, it's always the way, isn't it, right, you see these people, you have an army person, right, they've been doing all of these things, and the job they get, job they get is tossing burgers, right, you never see them doing um, telemarketing, or, you know, even a mechanic, or something, like, it's always the tossing burgers, but he's there, he gets approached by Tanaka, and, yeah, that's when we get into our hoist, right, he doesn't really want to take it, but he sees how this money can help, right, and so we have him approach to get his crew, but the thing is, every time he goes to see someone, we then get these other, like, these musical elements. Now, no, when I say musical elements, I don't mean everyone breaks out in song, but we get music playing, it all kind of slows down, and there's a reflection, and just all of this, and it's just like, oh, do we have to keep on doing this, right? I kind of feel we could have cut down the time of the film if we lost those sorts of scenes, because they don't really add anything to the film, you know, don't really add anything, but hey-ho, so we have all of this, right, and then we have, um, you know, 
we understand, oh, he's got a daughter, oh, she works at the camp, there's a lot of stuff at the camp that you're like, what, what is all of this, right, why is this here, there is a lot of, I would say worthless stuff at the camp, there's stuff that could have definitely been cut, now, I understand, they were trying to give us a, like, say, a breakdown of a certain character there, right, and then why something happens later on in the film, that could have been done a lot quicker, right, we didn't need all of that stuff, because this is the thing, uh, I think most of the characters are pretty one-dimensional, like, there is no, actually, all the characters are one dimension. yeah, who am I kidding, there's no three-dimensional to anyone here, right, all the characters are pretty one-dimensional, you know, like, you understand what's gonna happen to all of them pretty much straight away, you can see the character and go, okay, right, um, yeah, you're gonna go first, and you're gonna be like, and you're gonna make it, and you're gonna make it, but you won't, and you will, and you, you you could look, and you can be like, okay, I see this, because it's so obvious, right, everything is a little bit of a caricature on that front, you know what I mean, having a character that's so out of their element, but, you know what I mean, the minute they hit, the minute they hit the thing that they're there for, their task in the project, they're suddenly like, huh, I'm the boss, you shut up, ba ba ba. When before that, just moments before, they're cowering, scared out of their mind, right? Which, yes, we've seen it before, and uh, this film does not disappoint us in giving us those moments again and again and again. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit cokey, but hey-ho, right? It's just the nature of these things. So, you know, we have this thing and... There's a lot of action. Well, I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah, there is a lot of action. I was going to say, it's kind of sporadic, but it's not really... It's just sometimes there are more kind of odd scenes in between. So they're there for a heist, right? And I think it takes a while to get to the heist bit. And then the heist bit... It's not really that much of the film, which is a shame in a, you know, some extent, right? We do see, like, a safe cracking and all of that, but it's a bit like everything just goes so wrong, you know what I mean? So you don't really get to see... Like, you don't get to see that moment, like, in Thomas Crown Affair... Or even the first Ocean's Eleven, you know what I mean? You don't get to see that element of it. Which are kind of being like, oh, that would be fun. That would be fun to see how they do that, right? But we don't. Because certain things happen. Because, you know, these stories can never run smoothly. And I think you always have these characters that do the things that cause an issue. 
right? Like, if you think someone is up to shit, I, you don't really announce it, you know what I mean? You don't be like, I know what you're doing, and we're going to talk about it later. You'll be like, well, now you've let them know that you know, right? And when you're in a situation where it could be easy to get rid of someone, why the fuck are you doing that, right? There's certain things that you'll be like, come on now. Even these one-dimensional dummies wouldn't be this dumb, right? So there's stuff like that that goes down. Um, People do an alternative reason for being there. And you're just like, all right, you've done this thing. And you understand the consequences. So why would you do it now? Right? Surely that's one of the last things that you do. Because you know it's going to bring down all hell. So why would you do it early? Right? It's it's a thing that you're just like, okay, that makes no sense to do it now. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm not in the movie and I understand this. You know what I mean? Come on, man. We can do better than that. So there is all of this. And if you're going to have an estranged dad and daughter in a piece, then you know, you know there's going to be a stupid scene where they hash it out. Right? And you're just like, okay. Alright, and there were so many other ways that shit could get concluded, but obviously it goes in the way which is the most ridiculous, right? So we have all of this going down, and I mean, it is dumb, right? There's a lot of dumb shit, especially, it's one of those ones when people are in a dangerous situation... And they know the consequences, but there are always those pauses, you know? Like, wait, you have to kill these people and you have to do it quick, otherwise they're going to get you. But they pull the gun, and even the ones that are trained, they will pull the gun and then, you know, think, should I be doing this? Is this the right thing to do? And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? They too many pauses. Right? Too many pauses that make no sense. So we have all of this. Right? Have all of this. And without revealing too much, right? I will say, if you have news, if you have information and you're in shit, right? You're in shit, which, to be honest, right? There is a point when you think someone's lost, they then reappear. And they could still have been saved. But for some reason, as I said, the pause, right? No one helps. And you're just like, open fire. Open fire now. And that person is cool. But they're in this bind, right? They know the info. You'd think, right? They would give warning because we've kind of seen that this character ain't taking no shit. And that's the kind of thing that they would have done. But they don't, right? And you're just like, wait, what? (laughs) Why wouldn't they? It makes no sense not to, right? So there are these baffling moments in the film. 
especially with Kate, which you're just like, ugh, obviously, right, obviously, and there's something that happens towards the end, there's this blood situation, and I'm a bit like, wait, who was hit, because there's a character who we then just don't see, don't see at the end, and we're like, wait, after all that, how is it we, or was, was that the reason for the blood, I don't know, because it is very, some bits are very quick and fast, and so I wasn't able to really see what went down, but yeah, there's these baffling little bits and bits, and especially at the end, because, you know, a nuclear bomb dropped, right, and I think they usually say that it takes months for that to kind of clear up, so, you know, no one is going to be able to be on the surface after a nuclear bomb dropped, you understand, (laughs) which is a bit like, say what, (laughs) but, Yes, there are flaws, there are definitely all of these flaws, and the film does seem a touch long, but I will say, the action was enjoyable, I did enjoy that, I did enjoy, the the fight scenes were frenetic, and they did keep you amped, right, whenever there's the action, you're Amped, you're like, okay, alright, how are we gonna kill these? What's gonna happen? I do enjoy a fast zombie, ain't gonna lie. A slow zombie infuriates me. And there were certain other things that they did with the zombies that I did like, right? There's these little kind of, just little nuances that, yeah, you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? Because... You know, there's certain things that get touched in, like, you have in zombie films. And you're just like, wait, huh? How would that not be a case? Like, Walking Dead. You're seeing these zombies around for all of this amount of time. And you're like, but surely, right, with no one then left to eat, wouldn't they just either eat themselves or just burn out? Right, and this film does kind of touch on some of that shit, which is like, okay, all right, I'm down with this, I'm following it, I'm cool. We get moments with schedules having to be changed and all of that, which obviously, right, you expect from this sort of film, you know, but yeah, the action keeps this from being. Dreadful keeps it from being unwatchable because it's it ends up being not bad, right? It's not something that you're gonna be like, This is the best film ever, right? But then you've definitely seen worse zombie films, you know what I mean? So it's, it's in that kind of area. Some of the like, some of the performances are good. Some not so, I not dreadful, but it's just you know there's nothing really for the character, you know. I do like we see zombie animals. I don't know if we saw zombie animals in Walking Dead because I just 
I couldn't do it after, I think I got halfway through the first season, I may have made it to the second for a bit, but I'm just, I just got a bit bored, you know, so I don't know if zombie animals ever turned up in that, but we do see zombie animals in this, and that was kind of cool, I dug it, definitely dug it, right, um, but yeah, I would say, right, some of our better characters were, um, Probably Amari Hardwick's Van der Hosen was okay. Um, Cruz was okay. You know, Theo Rossi is always kind of good in that menacing role. Though, yeah, one-dimensional as hell. They don't really give him much to play with. And most people don't really get much to play with, but they're kind of fun, Right? You know what I mean? They're kind of fun. Which you're like, alright, cool. Cool, cool. We can deal with that. You know? I did enjoy... The zombies were very cool. Right? So Zeus, the Queen, you know, all of that. They they did a great job of conveying this weird movement and just like this weird energy. You know? They were very good. Um... Yeah, like Guzman wasn't bad. They tried to give um Ward Batista comedic stuff, but it doesn't work. Right? I think he's funny in Guardians because of the character. Like the character isn't a wordy character, it doesn't really say anything, just loves to kill. So when something weird and comedic happens, it works. But in here, they, they have him try and drop some funny lines at times, but it's just like, oh, it doesn't work. Oh. And they do love a musical bed, right? There's a musical bed behind any, you know, pseudo-emotional moment, any kind of flashback moment, just as you're just like, okay, we get it. This is meant to be sad. We understand. You can stop. Please stop. Stop, <laughs> you know, chase, but hey, it is what it is, it is what it is, you know, yeah, so, listen, I'd say Martin, right, Gerard Dillhart was very menacing, you know, that character, like, our coyote, Lily, she's not too bad, Nora, Amazidra, who I believe was in the, the, I kind of think she was in the Terminator reboot film re of late, but I might be wrong. You know, they're not they're not bad characters. You know, um, if a character, if you have a moment where you think something happy is gonna ha happen to a character, obviously you know they're gonna demise very shortly. <laughs> But yeah, you know, hey, if you like an action film, if you like the way Zack Snyder shoots things, you know, I think you're going to enjoy it. You know, it's not going to be something you go back to time and time again, but it's not the worst thing. I think it could have been trimmed a bit for sure, but... Hey, them's the breaks, people. Them's the breaks. It's definitely a colourful film. And as I said, I like the way they, you know, 
show you some new elements when it comes to zombies. So, yes, Army of the Dead. It is now on Netflix doing its thing. And, um, yeah, you can go check it out if it sounds like it's for you. You know, there is a making of documentary as well, which I think is like 28 minutes. I didn't watch it, but it's there. So that's kind of fun that you get DVD extras, as it were, you know, and a few things do that. And I do like that aspect of it. So, yeah, people, it's on Netflix. Go enjoy if it sounds like it's for you. Army of the Dead. Well, trying to put into words what the hell I have just witnessed, it's a little tough, right? It is a little tough, I ain't gonna lie, people. So, um, yeah, a new film, a new crazy-ass film called Skull the Mask. It's out today, and it is... It is, it's interesting as fuck, (laughs) I mean, it is interesting as fuck, it's a Brazilian film, right, it's a Brazilian film, and it is in Portuguese, so, I, if I had known, I would have just skipped it from the gate, right, but, I didn't, so, you know, and the opening sequence, there's no dialogue, Right, and to be honest, there's not. It's it's not chock a block with dialogue throughout the film anyway, which is good. I mean, there is there's enough for it to be irritating. Um, you know, just in regards with subtitles and sub white subtitles on light backgrounds. I mean, it's twenty twenty one, motherfuckers. Are we? Why are we still having this? Issue, it is baffling, but uh, yeah, after this weird open, I was a bit like, ah, I've got to try and make it through this <laughs> because this is so bizarre, you know what I mean? So, um, yes, Brazilian film Scold the Mask. Oh, let's see, I mean, the Portuguese is Skull a Mascara de Anhanga. I think I uh, butchered that nicely. It is written and directed by Armando Fonseca and Capel Foreman. Uh, the music is by Fernando Aruda. Cinematography is Andre Sigwalt. Um. Yeah, I think then we've got our cast. Okay, so uh, we have Natalia Rodriguez as uh, Beatrix Obedias. Um, there is a uh, Wilton Andrade as Manco Ramirez. Uh, Ricardo Jelly as Padre Vasco Magno. Agita Ruiz is Galvini Volta. Greta Antoni is a Lilith. Tristan Aronovich is Nobutu. Ivo Muller is Tak Walder. 
Eduardo Simarjan is her Sheldel. Shay Morice is a Page Iratinga. And Rick Jr. is the Skull. <laughs> yes. So, um, the gist of the film. Alright, so, um... In this splatter-filled supernatural slasher, a pre-Columbian artifact contains the spirit of Anahaga, the executioner of the god Ta-Awantiasupa. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anahaga, and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect his god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. A throwback treat for fans of 80s slashers and gore particular effects. Uh, yeah, so that's the gist, people. Um, it as I say, look, it, it was a weird film, right? So we open up, right? We open up to this crazy kind of sequence, right? Where there's uh, it, you know, it begins in. So we're told now, like you don't really get it from the film itself, but yeah, we're told it's set in 1944. And there's this experiment that's just going to happen. But we have this sequence, right? We have these people. First of all, there's a man holding a box, walking through this underground tunnel with two security. And they're walking through its kind of sepia lighting. You know? It's... The tunnel is kind of reminiscent to... If you've been to Greenwich... And you've got the tunnel under the river, right? It's a bit like that. Now, there's one in Woolwich. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, look, wherever there's a, a big, a, a long-ass tunnel under a river, it's kind of like that. Or if you go to, you know, the Winston Churchill Warrens, you know, those underground bunkers, it's kind of like that, right? And, yeah, so they're walking through. All the lighting is flickering. And suddenly, we see the this janitor cleaning up. But all of a sudden, you realise, hold on, I don't think he's a janitor. And he, he goes full ninja, and he starts attacking everyone. Right, which... And it gets super confusing, right? So we have this one guy and he's attacking everyone um, to, to try and get to what's in this box. You then have this other janitor who's fighting to stop him, right? So it's all just this crazy, crazy. But the guy gets the box and they um, do this experiment. And the experiment... Experiment. Well, you've got a creepy guy sitting in a chair overseeing it all. A guy strapped to a stake. There's a fire circle. People chanting. Guns. 
it is all, all very bizarre. It's all very bizarre. I So here we get subtitles. But to be honest, I kind of assumed it's because they're reading old text. Because that's always what happens. You know, when people read this text, it's usually in tongues. Right? It's usually in tongues. And, yeah, so you figured, all right, that's what they're doing. Right, but he's done this experiment, and people, I think you understand, the experiment isn't going to go well, right? It's not going to go well, but you've got a guy filming it, which I ain't going to lie, right? There was the kind of thought of, is that guy secretly filming, or is that guy filming, filming? But... Yeah, everything goes wrong in the experiment. Like, the mask kills the guy that puts it on, which then is super confusing, right? If you've if you read the description, if you read the plot, it's like the mask will inhabit a person, whoever puts it on. But it's like, wait, hold on, just kill that guy. Huh? What's happening here? But anyway, so all of this, but then we jump to present day, right? So here's the thing. Jump to present day, and it's. I think it follows that kind of rhythm a lot of films do. So you have that sequence, then you're at an archaeological dig, right? People, the workers have stumbled on something, someone's come in to look at it, it's all gravy, right? So we get this. This has all happened, and now the mask is in the western world right and that's when it gets all crazy obviously very because should have left hearing things where they were right but after all of this we're with another guy who's doing some you know packing up work we see him doing that in the street a priest comes, gives him an envelope, right? There's this odd exchange between him and the priest. So you're like, wait, what is happening with these guys? Because obviously there's something weird. You <laughs> mean, is that a legit priest? I don't know. I have no clue. Hey, so there's just this oddness there is so much oddness and i will say script wise it it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense now there is a rhythm to it right there is a flow but to say that it necessarily all slots in together i don't know I do not know. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily make much sense, right? But, yeah, we're following all this crazy-ass action. You know, there's these missing kids, which were involved somehow, some way. And you're like, wait, there's so much happening here. Who is who? Who are the good guys? Who's the bad guys? Who are we following? People, can you explain? Can you explain? And no, no you can't. But uh, it's got that kind of 
it's got that like 70s, 80s feel to it, right, that's what you would think this film is, you know, you've, I was kind of thinking to myself while watching it, I was like, I wonder when this was made, you know, like, kind of, I honestly thought it was a, you know, maybe a, a restoration of an old film, right, because it really does have that feel to it, and that's not in a bad way, right, it just has that kind of old school vibe, right, so, yeah, all this action is, well, all this crazy, because we haven't got a, you know, the action, action has not properly started, but we're introduced to, um, you know, a Beatrix, our policewoman, who, uh, Always seems to have a scowl on her face. Oh, and, and sometimes it's not necessarily that she seems angry. Like, she could be smiling, but the responses... The responses always sound a little angry. A little aggy. You know what I mean? And I don't know, because I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> but you, but the tone in, in how she responds a lot of the time is a bit like... Hmm... <laughs> but you know, the the film does some of those things that you always see, right? So someone's like, "Oh, can I look in the box?" And it's like, "No, you can't look in the box." Oh, but please, hey, no, 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 no. It's very important, so I'm not going to let you, right? If you want to see it, you've got to go to the expedition, and then. Oh, well, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to stay up. Are you sure? Yeah. So, straight away, you, like, you know what's going to happen. And it's a bit like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> how did you, like, you wonder how these people ever kind of, like, get through life. Because if you don't understand that the person you're leaving is going to rifle through your shit... I don't know, I have no clue, right, so, in doing this, all hell breaks loose, I mean, there are a lot of questions just in this whole sequence, right, because it's a bit like, um, how the fuck do you know the, and all of, and why does the house have, right, there's all of these things that you're just like, hmm, (laughs) <laughs> this doesn't make a lot of sense hey, But, you know, it is what it is uh, the, But the, the, there's a, f- a crazy thing that baffles throughout this film And it's that situation where people see danger And danger isn't necessarily crazy close But they don't run like, no one has inklings to run in this film. Like, so many people would be alive if they ran away. Right? That, that is one of the most baffling things, that they don't run away. Right, something else that is a bit odd as well. So, the girl in the house, she's just wearing a T-shirt, and then... To open the box and everything, it's like, I'm going to put my jacket on. <laughs> and it is a kind of like, wait, why the fuck did she put her jacket on? I know, it's semantics, but it is a, one of those things that you're just like, what 
that doesn't really make any sense. Like, if she'd gone outside to do the thing, maybe. Or have they got some deal with a designer? I don't know. It could be that. Like, it's a cool jacket. We want to show the jacket. Put the jacket on. <laughs> but yeah, people aren't running, right? People aren't running. They, they're just the, the violence and where it's all happening and everything. You're just like, wait, why? <laughs> why would the person be going from all of this? But, you know, the story-wise, it is all over the place. It really is. But it is fun, right? It is fun and crazy because you're just like, okay, I'm going to stick with this because I want to see... How they kill the next person. Like, what are they going to do next? Because this is goofy as fuck. This is goofy as fuck, man. Like, the, the, the budget, although it doesn't look terrible, there are certain scenes that you're just like, well, that wasn't wood. <laughs> like, that just looked like crepe paper or something. You know, our bad guy bursts into a building and the way he just kind of walks through this door and you're just like that's not a door that was there was no solid door there right just the way everything falls apart is like it's just you know jumped through a paper screed or something it's just there's no rhyme or reason to the physics here you're just like Wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, it is funny. It is hilarious. There is one one part of it that is I'm like, okay, I gotta dig that. Like the hand of God. Now when you get to the bit, you'll understand. But that was pretty that was kind of like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it depicted like that, so I can dig that, right? But yeah, there's a there's a crazy load of violence. It's gory. It's crazy. Doesn't make sense, but it is fun. It is, I mean, well, in a sick fun way, right? If you're thinking, huh, and like it's not. Graphic in a sense, like it's weird, right? In because there's a bit when, like, girl, she's fully dressed, wearing a white t shirt, and all of a sudden she gets wet and her nipples are poking out of the t shirt, right? So it's a scene which, like, you, you didn't need it, but it's just there. Right, there's a, another scene where a couple having sex in a car. And she's got her top open, but yeah, not seeing everything. But at the very end, they kind of show her tits. And you're just like, alright. I mean, listen, there's no judgment. It's just a bit like, scenes didn't really need to be there. But I guess it was never getting anything under an 18 anyway, just because of all the blood, right? All the blood and all the crazy that goes involved in it, right? But, um, yeah, there's not really 
sex. So I I think if you and the violence. Look, we've seen way worse violence in other stuff. So it, it, I believe it's an eighteen, right? But I would say if your kids, right, if you've got kids and they watch this kind of crazy horror shit with you. They'd probably be fine with this. You know what I mean? I'd say, like, probably a 60. Because it's not overly crazy. As I said, look, there's been a lot worse in other things. You know, and the violence, a lot of the times, it does look... Um, I mean, it looks fake, right? It looks fake, but in that hokey 70s way, rather than... In a, just a bad way. Because, yeah. Uh, look, as I, I keep on saying, the film, it's it's all over the place. It's weird. But it does keep you, does keep you watching it. Right? Does keep you watching it. Doesn't make any sense. The ending definitely doesn't really make any sense. I mean, and when I say it doesn't make any sense, yes. It, there is a there is a flow to it. Like you can be like, all right, fine, I can see that to that to that. But it's a stre- everything is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> it is a bit of a stretch. But listen, I don't think you're watching this film for a really kind of um intricate plot. That's not the thing you're doing here. You're watching it for the crazy, and there is plenty of crazy. Our bad guy, our skull, you know, he is very reminiscent of those classic um, horror villains. You know, your Jason, um, the, 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 is it Mask Face? Is that Mask Face? Um... The Freddy person and yeah, just all of them. He's kind of reminiscent of those people's, right? So yeah, I think it is definitely for your um your B movie horror fanatics, right? If you like all of those classic horror slasher films, then this is gonna be right up your stream. So people, it's out today on Shudder. Yep, yep, because that's where all the the fun horror is right now, people. I mean, that's where it seems to be anyway. So, yeah, go get yourself a Shudder account, you crazy-ass fools. But, um, yeah, go go check it out, right? It's some weird-ass fun. Um, and remember, it's, it is subtitled, so let me remind you of that. But, uh, yeah, Skull the mask it is out today okay people so we have hit the end of part one yeah so yeah we had thriller you know what i mean with fairy action with um the army of dead and then we had some crazy ass horror with 
you know, scold the mask, right? Insane shit, people, for real. Um, and yes, in part two, we take a look at the bank job. So um, go check that out. And we speak to Dan Edelston, one of the creatives behind it. So definitely worth it. Go check it now, people. See you in a sec.